Welcome to American Indian Living, a program developed by the Native Education and Health Initiative to improve and enhance the health of people throughout the Native communities. American Indian Living is hosted by Dr. David DeRose, a board-certified specialist in both internal medicine and preventive medicine. Dr. DeRose has a wide range of experience with Native health issues, and he's ready today to help you learn more about your health. Here's Dr. DeRose. Welcome to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We're continuing a series of shows from an exciting venue. It is the ASI International Meetings being held in 2019 at the venue of Louisville, Kentucky. Across from me to begin this show is someone who's heading up a very exciting program at Union College in Lincoln, Nebraska. His name is Rick Young. Rick, it's great to have you with us. Pleasure to be here. Rick, you head up a very... Well, I mean, to me, I've always thought of it as an innovative program. You're the director of a program that's entitled International Rescue and Relief. I've never heard of any other college campus offering such a program. Maybe it's just my ignorance of what's happening out there. No, you're right. We're the only program in the world that offers this program. Really? So International Rescue and Relief. Tell us what this program is all about. Well, it's a four-year bachelor degree. It was created by Dr. Michael Durson, who's an emergency room physician, when he was on a mission trip. He just saw the need to train physicians better to be missionaries. And uh, he came back, came to the college, presented his idea, and they ran with it 15 years ago. Uh, the program is designed to help basically three different tracks of students. We mm -hmm. have our pre-meds, pre-dent, pre-physical therapy, or pre-PA, so mm -hmm. our pre-professionals that want to go on to the medical field. And we have our public safety track. Those want to be firefighters, paramedics, uh, police officers, mm -hmm. uh, some go into the military after that. And then we have our global community development public health track. So those that want to be uh, helping the communities with public health and uh, mission service around the world. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, to me, the whole concept is exciting. And I guess to, to talk with someone like you who, by background, are an educator, right? Isn't that what your training is well, in? Well, actually, I'm a retired law enforcement. I, oh, you are? 32 years in law enforcement in Los Angeles. Okay. Uh, retired. And I went back to school to get my master's in education. I was going to teach elementary school. And my professor said, you know, you should be teaching in the college with your wealth of knowledge. Uh -huh. And uh, that next day, uh, that Sabbath, I was looking at the back of a uh, Outlook magazine. And in it was a position, International Rescue Relief, needing a director. And that caught my eye. Uh -huh. I applied for the job. And nine years later, I'm still there. Wow, tremendous. I, I mean, I was thrown by this master's in education. I said, oh, this must be a lifelong educator <laughs> sitting across from me. But as we're getting acquainted, I didn't know about your history in law enforcement. Yes. So what does that bring to the to the table as far as working with these young adults who are training for lives of service? How does that law enforcement background translate into the classroom? Well, the, my history with law enforcement was rescue and, and saving people, helping people. Wow. And wow. so that fit in very well. I'm also... Was, I was raised non-Adventist and uh -huh. was raised in Boy Scouts and rescue work and camp director and all that sort of thing. Uh, so I've always had a passion for helping young people and, and finding their way in life and those that were troubled. I did 12 years as a uh, child abuse investigator, so taking wow. children that were being abused and getting them settled in a new life and, and, and punishing those that were suspects. Mm -hmm. um, so it just opened a lot of doors there. And my passion to go into education was if I could catch people early before they get abused or, you know, abuse people, uh -huh. try to turn lives around. Tremendous. And that's how I ended up in the, in the field. So folks throughout Indian country are tuning into this show. Uh, some of them have had no contact with 
Seventh-day Adventist education. This is a Seventh-day Adventist college, Union College yes. is. Mm-hmm. Others have heard of Seventh-day Adventists by virtue of their work in Indian country. Uh, many of them know, if they're regular listeners to American Indian Living, this show is actually sponsored by the North American Division of, of Seventh-day Adventists who do a variety of things in Indian country trying to improve health. They also put out a magazine with the same title, American Indian Living. So folks know about Seventh-day Adventists uh, if they've been tuning in for a while. But if they don't, a lot of people might say, well, uh, college at a religious institution, would this be a fit for my child who maybe we're not all that friendly even to, to some things that we think are Christian values? I, I would interject if that's the, the thought that sometimes things that are thought of as Christian values really aren't all that Christian anyway. <laughs> but um, here's, here's where I'm going with this, Rick. If someone who's listening today says, I wonder if this is something I should consider for a child or grandchild, do they really need to be a Seventh-day Adventist to think in terms of coming into your program? They don't have to. About one-third of my students are non-Adventist. Okay. And uh, so we're, we are open to them, and we respect their beliefs and their rights, uh, mm-hmm. but they do have to abide by the college rules, of course. But uh, no, it's very very open, and uh, I've actually had some that have become Seventh-day Adventist through our programs. Okay. So tell me, if I sent a child or grandchild, and uh, I, I'm speaking on behalf of my listeners, I don't personally have any grandchildren, <laughs> but if I were to send someone like that to Union College to do this uh, international rescue and relief major, what does the curriculum look like? What are they getting trained well, in? Well, their freshman year, of course, the general education, the mm-hmm. English and the, the sciences and that, uh, depending on which track, if you're going to pre-med, it's very high science. Mm-hmm. But all of our freshmen start with a principles of emergency management, so okay. they kind of understand responding to a disaster. Mm-hmm. And then they all, the second semester, they become EMTs, or emergency medical technicians. Okay. So they're certified EMTs their freshman year. Mm-hmm. With that alone, they could then go work on an ambulance. They could work in a hospital as mm-hmm. an ER tech. They could be a phlebotomist. In many different directions, they could go right there. I love this because one of the concerns I've always had with post-secondary education is, you know, some people will go, they'll get a degree, and it's really not marketable. They don't have any skills. But from the very first year, a student is walking away with actual marketable skills. Correct. Yeah. If they leave at that point, they could go out and get a job. Mm-hmm. So that's great. So they get this good basic uh, training the first year. Uh, the first, first semester. Year, yeah. first semester. Or, or second semester, first uh-huh. year. And then that first summer, the freshman summer, we go to Colorado from Lincoln. I don't know if you can, they don't know much about Lincoln, Nebraska. It's pretty flat, a lot mm-hmm. of corn. We don't have swift water. So we go to Colorado. We do technical rope rescue on the cliffs. We do swift water rescue, search and rescue, and survival training. Wow. So it's a five-week program. They uh-huh. get certified through Rescue 3 International, which is a worldwide training program. So now with that, EMT and the rescue program, they could get on a search and rescue team anywhere in the world. Wow. They'd be wow. certified. And have you had students do that with just that training? Yes. Some have gone on just from there. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So within a year's time, they've got a bunch of practical skills. They've also gotten their, a lot of their general education requirements for a college degree. Right. And uh, things build from there in the sophomore year. Is it pretty standard, the curriculum at that point? Standard, you get back to the regular education part. Mm-hmm. Uh, after you've done both the EMT summer program, you do get on our disaster response team if you really like that. Some mm-hmm. of our students don't go on that far, mm-hmm. but I'd say about half of them get really involved in our disaster response. So they're then available to respond to, like Hurricane Harvey, we sent 25 students down there. Oh, okay. Hurricane Sandy, we sent 25 students down. Uh-huh. Uh, big tornadoes and that. We'll send groups of students out. They work for a week understand what happens and what goes on involved mm-hmm. in a national disaster. 
We also partner with the American Red Cross. We have the American Red Cross Club on campus. Hmm. So our students respond one week out of every month to uh, any Red Cross call for the state of Nebraska. And it might be a tornado, might be flooding, might be a house fire, mm-hmm. whatever it is. If the Red Cross is called, we handle that call for them. Oh, really? Okay. And so then again, great experience for our students to talk to the clients, you know, see the, the devastation that a family is going through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, it just opens their hearts and their minds for service. This is great. So how does this all work, though? I mean, they're in a college curriculum. I mean, how does someone just step away for a week and, and get back into it? I mean, we, isn't this a challenge? It is a challenge. Uh, and, again, if you're in your pre-med, we have to look closely at what classes. But we have worked it out with the college. We can respond for one week mm-hmm. to a disaster per, per semester and be waived from any classes. Uh, you know, they still have to do the work, make up the work, right, but right, they right. don't get knocked down for not attending the classes. Oh, okay. So we've walked ourselves through half of the training because it's a four-year program, it's a four-year right? Four-year program. Yeah. So, so what they, they goes... come back and then you, yeah, it's regular college level courses. In my particular curriculum, we have you. We did principal emergency management first year. We do social dimensions of disaster. So we look at hmm. groups and different aspects of people that are hurting in this world. Mm-hmm. We have disaster management training. Uh, we have uh, global health. Just a variety of classes to help them uh, move forward. The exciting part, capstone to our program is our senior year. We go for an entire semester to a developing country. Hmm. Uh, this last year, we went to Malawi, Africa. So we took 17 uh, students there. Uh, we worked for four months in the jungle villages, go- doing clinic work, uh, rescue work. Um, we worked to a, a um, refugee camp of 65,000 people, uh, government-run co- camp. And we did medical clinics there for two weeks, helping uh, treat people that were in need there. there a cyclone came through uh, Africa. Aida, cyclone Aida hit uh, at this time. And so the government actually came to us and said, can we take your students? We will fly them via helicopter around the country to different villages that needed support. Wow. And so our students got a really hands-on experience of uh-huh. emergency response, disaster response, and helping in a, in a time of need. Uh, so great opportunity for them. Prior to going to Africa, we would go down to uh, Nicaragua, and we spend the four months down in Nicaragua. Mm-hmm. And we have a doctor down there that we work with and going to the jungle villages, helping with medical clinics. So you've been running this program for, uh, not you individually, but the school has been running this program for 15, 15 years, years. Is that right? Yes. Any idea on how many graduates you had? Uh, I did a count. I think I'm at 176 graduates right now. And do you have an idea of some of the range of things that they're doing? Oh, it's, it's unbelievable the different uh-huh. directions they're going. Um, some have actually joined the military and are now teaching survival training to the Coast Guard. Really? Uh, uh-huh. With the beginning training that they got from us. But we have numerous doctors, mm-hmm. several dentists, some working for ADRA. Uh, we have the, working around the world. We had one who was a paramedic, and he got hired by a sheik in Saudi Arabia. Really? And has been the family's personal paramedic wherever the family went. He went as their medic. Oh, wow. And uh, so he's traveled the world. Uh-huh. Uh, he's actually gotten bored with that and left that after three years because <laughs> okay. it was putting Band-Aids on the kids. Uh, he wanted a little more substance. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, just some great opportunities have come up. Uh, we have some working at camps. Uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I don't know if you know about Knowles or Outward Bound, programs that are help troubled youth. Uh-huh. A lot of our students go into that type of work. So wow. they're taking wow. leading trips in the wilderness, helping people um, change their life around and, and turn the direction of their life. 
So basically, you are really giving people skills for service, and uh, my guess would be it's probably attracting really a diverse group of students. Uh, demographics, do you have any idea, male, female, age? Females. Currently, right now, I have more women than men in the program. It's almost 50-50, but just uh -huh. a little bit more women. Uh, it's become very popular. I've been there nine years, and that's changed quite a bit. It was mostly men when I started the program. Uh, but the women are getting involved and in, in finding some great career paths. Uh huh. Well, that is really exciting. Now, a little bit about Union College. I mean, Lincoln, Nebraska, like you mentioned, I mean, this doesn't seem like the typical venue for international rescue and relief. How do students find the campus when they come there for the first time? Well, it's, you know, it's, again, it's a variety, uh, depending where they're coming in. The nice thing with Lincoln, Nebraska, if you open your atlas, it is in the heart of America. It's mm. right in the center, right at the staple of your atlas. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's, from any direction, you can find uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, being from Los Angeles myself and my wife, we found the winters a little more challenging than Los Angeles. Uh -huh, we get uh -huh. some snow, some ice, uh, but not terrible. Nothing has been yeah, – we, we, we've done fine. We've survived fine. Okay. Um, so the students – I think the biggest issue we have is there are no mountains. And uh -huh. people that love mountains, you know, eight hours away, you can get to uh, Denver, Colorado, or – out the big Black Hills of South Dakota, uh -huh. so you can get to them, but uh, it's a little bit of drive. Okay. Well, so basically you've got an innovative program. It's drawing people from all backgrounds. And uh, what about Native American youth, if they're thinking about a career? I mean, are, would you have a, any special concerns, or would you especially encourage people from First Nation backgrounds to think of the program? I would definitely encourage them. Uh, the services they can do and take back to their communities would be invaluable, if, especially if you go the paramedic route. Uh, the medic need in the Native American, uh, you know, areas is is very needed. Mm -hmm. And uh, just, again, freshman year, they would have EMT skills, but mm -hmm. if you go to the next step and become a paramedic uh, where they could actually administer medications and that uh, be a great value to the communities. And also even in law enforcement uh, mm -hmm. uh, that's needed in the, in the communities. And, and, uh, especially if you want to go on and become a doctor or a dentist. No, those, sure, those, sure. Those needs are there also. So... Our entire program is fit uh, to match the needs that are in this community. Excellent. So how does someone get a hold of you, learn more about your program? Well, you can, probably the easiest way is uh, get a hold of a college website, which is www.ucollege. Uh, so it's the U, letter U, then college, dot edu. Okay. And then if you do a slash IRR, that goes right to my program. But if you get on the college website, you'll find the International Rescue and Relief Program. So if I can just remember, Union College starts with a U, ucollege.edu. You're there. Okay, and then International Rescue and Relief, and I go from there. Go from there. Thank you so much, Rick. My pleasure. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose and American Indian Living. We've got to step away for just a couple minutes. We'll be back with more great material from ASI 2019. Stay tuned. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. This is Betty White. I know you don't need one more thing to worry about, but listen. High blood pressure can cause kidney damage, blindness, heart attack, stroke. And you can have high blood pressure even if you feel all right. One in seven adults has it, but it's easy to get your blood pressure checked, and you can treat it if it is too high. So don't worry about it. Don't ignore it. Just see your doctor and check it out. 
For your free booklet, visit the Will Rogers Institute at wrinstitute.org and find us on Facebook and Twitter. Emergency medical unit, respond to 102 Maple Avenue, possible stroke victim. When stroke occurs, you have 60 minutes to win or lose the race of your life. There are new treatments, but you must get to a hospital fast. If you suddenly feel weakness on one side, have trouble speaking, walking, or seeing, it could be a stroke. Call 911. Get to a hospital. Because how you spend the next 60 minutes could determine how you spend the rest of your life. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders in Stroke. If you receive disability benefits, keeping Social Security informed is key. Keeping us informed minimizes the chance that we learn about something later that could negatively affect your benefits. That's the surprise no one wants because it creates overpayments that you must repay, disrupts payments, and can even jeopardize your entitlement to Social Security benefits. Learn more about reporting responsibilities for people working and receiving disability or SSI benefits by reading our online publications, Working While Disabled, How We Can Help, and How Work Affects Your Benefits at www.socialsecurity.gov pubs. Some changes can be reported online at www.socialsecurity.gov. You can also notify us at 1-800-772-1213 or contact your local Social Security office. Our goal at Social Security is to pay you the right amount on time every month. With your cooperation to keep us informed of changes, the likelihood of any unpleasant surprises that could derail your benefits will be greatly minimized. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to American Indian Living. Dr. David DeRose talking more with folks at the ASI International Convention in Louisville, Kentucky. Across from me, a guest who may be a familiar name to some of you, Lauren Fish. Lauren, it's great to have you with us. Thank you, David. Glad to be here. Lauren, this is not your first time on the show. You're the clinical counselor there at the Holbrook Indian School in Holbrook, Arizona. It's great to have you with us again. Thank you. Glad to be here. For those who have not met you and don't know the work that you do, tell us a little bit both about yourself and about the school that you represent. Holbrook Indian School is a 1st through 12th grade boarding school located in Holbrook, Arizona, which uh, if people aren't familiar with Arizona, it's just below the Navajo Reservation. A very large reservation, the largest in the country, about 250,000 residents there. And our school focuses on helping to provide a safe place for the students to uh, live, learn, and grow. We have a lot of um, programs, agricultural program, where the students can get in the garden and um, learn to grow some of the um, things that their ancestors, uh, the Navajo, are especially uh, focused on agriculture. And mm-hmm. so. Uh, they get to learn some of those. We have a horsemanship program. Uh, the students can learn to ride and not only learn to ride, but uh, kind of confront some of their fears and gain some confidence. Mm. So, uh, we have some trade programs that we do, um, welding, auto mechanics, uh, woodworking. So Very nice. try to give them hands-on uh, skills as well as the reading, writing, and arithmetic. That's great. So uh, as a clinical counselor, what all does your role involve there at Holbrook? Um, Myself and another counselor, we are um, in charge of evaluating uh, what the students' mental health needs are. Mm -hmm. And um, as as some know who are familiar with reservation life, um, there's there's many opportunities um, um, that the students experience 
neglect, um, mm. sometimes even abuse. And so when they come there, they may not be in the best frame of mind to learn. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we um, help evaluate where they're at with that and then help them kind of work through um, those past negative experiences so they can be in a good place to learn and grow. That's great. So I know you have uh, many students from the Navajo Nation because of your proximity to that part of Indian country, but I've gathered that you've had students really from a wide range of tribes over the years. Yeah, um, majority is Navajo because of our proximity to the reservation, but also um, Apache, um, Hopi, Pima, um, some Northwest tribes um, currently have a uh, gentleman from the Crow Nation in Montana, mm -hmm. um, even as far uh, east as um, the Sioux Nation, uh, Lakota, and stuff like that. So you've got a diverse uh, Native student uh, body, mm -hmm. and I know we've talked about this before. Sometimes when we talk about a school where students live, I mean, technically a boarding school, mm -hmm. that in some people's minds brings up bad memories. Yeah. But this is a very yeah. different experience. Yeah, we, we hope so. We hope so. And um, it's interesting that um, we even get um, students sent to our school based on the history of boarding schools, uh, but we're very very privileged uh, to be allowed the opportunity to um, work with the um, children and, and grandchildren and, and nieces and nephews um, of people that may have had um, bad experiences, but they're, mm -hmm. they're um, willing to um, uh, share their, their students with us. That's great. So one of the things that I know is new at Holbrook is something about a very special summer program. Mm -hmm. I know that's been one of the challenges for many families over the years because summertime the kids are out of school, they may be back home, and if they came from an environment that maybe wasn't the best, uh, that can really derail the progress they made during the year. So, so tell us yeah. what you've been doing. Yeah. Sad, sadly, and not to um, you know, cast, cast a bad light on, on anyone's family, sometimes at the um, end of the summer, it's almost like you have to start all over again you know, with some of the students. But we um, wanted to provide a summer program to be able to um, have a safe place uh, mm -hmm. for students who it may be better for them uh, to spend less time around around the home environment. And so we started out uh, three years ago. This is our third summer that we've been doing it, and we've grown it uh, each summer. Uh, I think we had 22 students this summer. We started out with about eight, and we have extra time with the students so mm. it's not just uh, hey this is a place to be we provide them an opportunity to work and earn money and, and mm -hmm. gain skills in that regard we also um, provide them an opportunity for leadership um, we, wow. we give them leadership training and skills and help them to be able to um, then take those into the next school year maybe even be mentors for other students mm. that are coming in so we've just seen it already in just a short three years we've seen it be an opportunity um, for our students to learn and grow because they have that extra special focused time uh, with the staff. Um, it's, a, it's a less stressful environment. Um, and they also get to do some fun stuff too. They get to go to camp. Um, they get to maybe take some, some classes uh, that they wouldn't have as much time for. Like they get to take um, extended horsemanship class during okay, the summer. Okay. So um, get to go hiking and uh, they got to go kayaking and just all sorts of fun stuff that maybe they don't get to do in the, in the, in during the school year. Well, just hearing you describe this, Lauren, it sounds like this program might really be in quite a bit of demand by the students. Are you, are you getting 
students uh, more and more saying they want to do it? We're, we're trying to expand the program to include everyone who wants to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, initially, we had to screen some students um, um, be- because of uh, limitations of staff and um, uh, level of responsibility of the students are going to be there. But mm-hmm. uh, this year, we've actually we, we had expanded the number, but also the age uh, we took down through seventh grade. Um, and uh, we also added counselors to the program as well this summer. So uh, to be able to have that support system in place um, for students who may need that, that uh, extra support over the summer. So is the summer program exclusively for students who've been at Holbrook already during the school year? What we like uh, from them is a commitment that they will be attending the next school year mm. um, because we're investing a lot of time and energy into them uh, and, and preparing them to be leaders um, to help represent what what uh, Holbrook Indian School stands for in regards to values and, and, and things like that. And so um, then the next school year, we already have this foundation this coming school year, which uh, starts uh, very shortly, we have a foundation of about 22 students who um, will be able to communicate uh, verbally and non-verbally to the other students. Hey, this is this is how things work. This is mm-hmm. this works best this way. These are some things that I learned, you know, either by example or by words. So I'm thinking right now, maybe there's a student listening. Maybe there's a parent of a potential student or a grandparent, mm-hmm. and um, if they say, wow, um, timeline seems too short to get into the uh, school year now because this show, just honestly, even though we're recording it in the month of August in 2019, I mean, we're going to be airing after the school year has begun. We get students uh, throughout the whole whole year. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So uh, you potentially could have a student come in October or November? Yeah, you, usually uh, it depends, but we, usually we like them to be there, um, you know, at, at the at the beginning of a semester or a quarter just because the grades work out better that way. But, you know, depending on the student, the situation, we're willing to talk to anyone and talk to their family and, and find out if we can meet their needs. And that's the biggest thing. And that's why we've tried to provide all these support systems at the school, like counseling and, and all these extra programs to uh, can we meet this student's need and that's really the biggest question when they come in um, you know some sometimes we can't but most of the time we can and that's really rewarding no I mean that's tremendous so you've got options during the school year you've got these new summer options and am I reading between the lines correctly I mean a student if they're a prospective student and they don't come for the 2019-2020 school year they could theoretically come the first time on campus for the summer program, or are you open to considering that? As I understand it, uh-huh. uh-huh. So basically, student can kind of start any time is what you're saying. Yeah. You know, provided, yeah. like you said, you can meet their needs, right. you feel it's a good fit with where they're yeah. at and where the school's uh, able, able to surround things. Yeah. Um, you have training for kids from what age through what age, what grade levels? First through 12th grade, yeah, and um, it's, it's boarding for everyone, and... Um, you know, sometimes it's sad not to see the younger students home with their families, um, but we feel like we provi- we're providing them a safe place to, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. learn and grow. And, um, you know, um, we hope that their families feel welcome there uh, as they usually do. That's great. So I want to talk about one last thing, uh, Lauren, that I think is so important. So often, I think today, education is focused on things that are not practical Mm -hmm. you've made a deliberate effort at holbrook 
to give the kids marketable job skills. Mm -hmm. Tell us at least one story about one of the students who was impacted in that way. Okay. Um, we had a, a gentleman graduate just uh, about a year ago this May, and um, he went on to college. And because of his leadership skills that he had learned at Holbrook and because of the things that he had work experience that he had gained, he was actually very successful in the college environment. And that, to me, speaks of the uh, success opportunities uh, that, that we give to all of our students. That's tremendous. So if someone wants to get a hold of you or get a hold of Holbrook Indian School, how do they do that? Uh, we're on the World Wide Web at HolbrookIndianSchool.org, or you can call our office at 928-524-6845. Okay, so HolbrookIndianSchool.org. .org. Or simply call 928-524-6845. Correct. Okay, very good. Thanks so much, Lauren. We have to step away from the mics just for a few minutes. We've got another great guest waiting to join us. You don't want to miss more from ASI 2019 in Louisville, Kentucky. I'm Dr. DeRose. Stay tuned. We will be right back. American Indian Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. So, you want to be a hero. Here are some ways to get the job. Hunt down that killer shark. Or run into a burning house to save a kitten. Luckily, there's an easier way to become a hero. Call 911 if you see someone experiencing the symptoms of stroke. Sudden weakness on one side or trouble speaking, walking, or seeing. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. You'll be a real hero. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke. Can you guess what's going on here? It's kids getting fit. Studies show that children and teens who get at least 60 minutes of physical activity a day reduce the risk of obesity, heart disease, anxiety, and increase their overall mood. So whether it's around your neighborhood or at school, just get out and play. For your free booklet, visit WRInstitute.org. Or call toll-free 877-957-7575 and find us on Facebook and Twitter. The Will Rogers Institute since 1936. My name is Tom Thornton. And my name is Cindy Thornton. We're retired, and this is how we live United. We decided to volunteer with United Way at our community free health clinic. United Way is how we contribute. Because we know our time and money are going to the right places. Judging by the thank yous we get at the clinic, I'd say we're doing the right thing with our retirement, too. We're Tom and Cindy Thornton. We volunteer at our community free health clinic. We don't just wear the shirt. We live it. Give, advocate, volunteer, live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Diabetes affects more than 29 million Americans. If left untreated, diabetes can lead to serious health problems such as heart disease, stroke, blindness, and kidney disease. Your family's health history can be an important factor in determining your risk of developing diabetes. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you and your family. Do all you can to prevent or delay the onset of type 2 diabetes. Visit yourdiabetesinfo.org to learn more. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. 
Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to American Indian Living. We are talking about things that are life-changing, and whether it's for young people at Holbrook Indian School, whether it's for college-age students at Union College, all of us have needs. But many of you, if you're regular listeners, you're saying, well, Dr. DeRose, this would have been wonderful if I was a young kid. would have been great if I was a college student, but what do you have for me on today's show? Tom and Elaine Waters are here with me across the table at ASI. You guys have become popular guests, and one of the keys to your popularity, I will just uh, be honest with you, has to do with my wife. You are her two favorite counselors when it comes to marriage and family, and uh, I share her enthusiasm just for the record, okay? So we're very glad that you're behind the mics. Tom, you were telling me before we started recording that you two have come up with something new that's getting a lot of people excited. Tell us about it. Yeah, we're very excited. Uh, we've got a new marriage podcast that we've been doing now for five months, and it's called Unbroken. And the theme, of course, is that we want to keep marriages unbroken mm. in a world that is really working against that whole process. Wow. And so we've had a lot of good responses from people. We've had the opportunity to have uh, several guest couples come on okay. and share some amazing stories of what they've been through that would have broken many marriages. Wow. And they are unbroken. Well, I mean, this is probably the most exciting thing, Elaine, because... We talk a lot in medical circles and public health circles about resilience, mm-hmm. but it's very germane to families as well. And we can either grow stronger or we can be undermined by these challenges. What's excited you about some of these stories? Just to see how God can work in a heart mm. and change the direction of the thoughts and the directions of, of our responses hmm. and see how he can take very broken situations and a lot of conflict and hurt and turmoil and anger and hatred and bitterness and how he can turn that around and help these couples come back and find love again in that relationship. Because at the beginning, when we when we go into marriage, we do really love that person. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. circumstances come in that want to undermine that. And too often we, we fall under those circumstances and we start drifting apart. So it's how that comes back together that's so beautiful and motivating. Now, I know there's no substitute for actually listening to the podcast, but I know my listeners would love to hear a synopsis maybe of one of these life-changing stories. Yeah, that's, uh, well, there are several. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're thinking of any in particular that are dynamic. I, I, I thought of one mm-hmm. couple who very much in love but got very deep in debt. Wow, okay. And since it's a public podcast, we can tell you the details. Oh, no, right, right. <laughs> of course, of course. You're not and, sharing uh, anything out know, of they, school. They, uh, they were $800,000 in debt. It was crushing them. 800000 in yeah, debt? Yeah. Wow. $800,000 in debt. And uh, it was just bearing such pressure on them, affecting uh-huh. the whole family. Wow. And what they went through and the decisions that they made in their lives together as a couple, and they stayed together through this process. They made these decisions together, made commitments to each other and to their children. And uh, they they were blessed by God to reduce that $800,000 debt in I think it was around two and two and a half two years. Two and a half years. You mean they, the whole debt was erased? Totally cleared. And it, it, nobody gave them any grace or mercy. They just made decisions. They sold stuff. They ate less. They, 
I mean, you're talking about lifestyle changes. It's a beautiful uh-huh, story. Uh-huh. Okay, so maybe this will make your listeners want to go back and hear that. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> but it, it could have crushed them. Mm-hmm. It was crushing them. Could have caused them to to just be broken in their marriage. But they stayed together. God bless them, and uh, they have an amazing story. So, Elaine, we've just heard Tom's quick synopsis. Uh, would you add anything else that that you think is a take-home lesson from that story? Lifestyle choices. Hmm. You know, we get into problems because of our choices, mm-hmm. and we can make choices to get out of those. Now, that's a, that's a lot of debt for some people thinking, whoa, there's just no way. How can anybody accumulate that kind of right, debt? Right, right. Well, it, it, debt affects every culture. It affects every, you know, type of occupation people go into. Every family can be affected by it. Mm-hmm. He was a physician. Mm-hmm. So you'd think, okay, well, I'm a physician, so therefore I have plenty of opportunity to make. So he had a lot of school debt, you know, uh, years of school okay, debt that brought okay, that up. Okay. Then they got a big home because, you know, when you get out into the workplace, mm-hmm. you got to fit into your mm-hmm. peers. Mm-hmm. And that big home was killing them. In financially, mm-hmm. and then all the miscellaneous, frivolous lifestyle debt that, that is so easy to accumulate. And what it was requiring is he was having to work more and more and more and more wow. and more, and they still work. They still work coming out ahead. Okay. And so they began to say, working more isn't the answer. It's adjusting our thinking and our lifestyle choices. So one of the things they did at the beginning was to sell that big, beautiful home that was their dream home once mm-hmm. he finished medicine mm-hmm. and got into the real world, and they went into something quite a bit simpler. Mm-hmm. But it oh, was, very, that's a very much simpler. Yes. <laughs> okay, okay. It didn't, it didn't look like the doctor's home anymore. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. he said, but that was all right, because uh-huh. <laughs> we knew what was happening on the inside of that home. Good for them. Yeah. Good for them. <laughs> and just so many parts of their lives were, were affected by this debt load. And, of course, one of the most practical ways to start resolving debt is to discipline yourself to a budget. Mm-hmm. And they had done that for years through medical school, living tight. Mm-hmm. But once he finished, it went the other way. And they had mm-hmm. to go back and redo that whole concept. And this past year at Christmas was the first time he'd been home with his family on any holiday. Wow. Because prior to that, he always had to be working to pay that off. So it doesn't matter how much you're making. You can, you know, some people say, boy, if I just made more money, everything would be great. But uh, it's easy for your wants to uh, exceed your income. That's right. And uh, if if you're tuning in today and you're having having problems um, with uh, debt, with other challenges, you can really get out of them by changing lifestyle and then really sticking with a healthy program. Uh, Tom, for those who for those who um, are saying, okay, you got my interest, podcast, how do I listen to it? Direct our listeners to how they can be uh, uh, benefiting from what you've pulled together. Yeah, so they can go to our website. It's www.restoration hyphen international dot org org okay i'm writing this down restoration so like you're restoring something yeah restoration, restoration hyphen hyphen that's like a little yeah, short dash. line the, <laughs> yeah you, you got the terminology right though i think the english teachers are happy with you a lot of people call that a dash but it is a hyphen restoration international 
So you really work internationally, don't you? Absolutely. Okay. Dot Re- .org. Restoration International dot .org. I've got it. So if I go on the website, Elaine, and I'm looking for these uh, these podcasts, what are they called? I mean, where am I going to find them? At the bottom of the homepage, it's, there's a, a section called Marriage Podcast Unbroken. There's a link there. They can click that link, and it'll take them right into the podcast. Right into the most recent podcast, and then they can go back and pick any one they want. So length of the podcast, and what are we talking about? 15 to 18 minutes. Okay. But what's so amazing is that people are new listeners to it, and mm-hmm. they hear, like, this week's program for the first time. What mm-hmm. we're seeing is that people are going back to the beginning, okay. and they're starting from the front end. Or they get to the, if they're in an interview with, we're doing an interview with a couple, mm-hmm. they will go back and listen to the front end of that interview on an earlier podcast. So it's not just the present one, but people are going back and gleaning from those other podcasts for their marriages. Nice. So am I hearing this right? Each one is a self-contained message or self-contained yes. story? or it's a two-part or possibly three-part. Oh, okay. Depending upon the guest's need because okay. you've got four people dialoguing in 15 minutes. Right, so right, right. it takes a little longer in 15 okay. minutes. Okay. Well, and that's great. one of the – not that you asked, but I'm going to share one other one that was Fair really enough. exciting. Oh, wait, wait. I, just give me some more de- – I want to make sure I, I've got this down. So okay. So if I go on there, is it like a weekly podcast? Is yes. It per- Every Tuesday morning. Every Tuesday morning. So how many episodes are up there right now? 24. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so about half a year you've been running this. Okay, so you got another story for us. Yes. you uh, got my interest. It's an addiction story that is oh, just wow. incredible. I mean, you talk about addiction. And people always have their what pops into their head when they think of addiction. Uh-huh. And this couple have, he went through an amazing story with his gambling addiction. Oh, my. And he did not feel that he had any addiction. Oh, really? Oh, he, he was totally self-justified, completely blind to it, even though he could be in the casino for four days and four nights eating and drinking very little. You mean not sleeping Day at all? Just staying night, in the casino awake, for- and he didn't think he had an addiction. Was he manic depressive as well? Well, <laughs> was it was bipolar? actually. Here's the amazing thing. Yeah. And I said, "And how long did it take you to figure out how much money you were losing?" Yeah. He said, "I didn't lose money in gambling." Really, he He's, did not lose. He said, "I was a winner, and I knew." He's a brain. Uh-huh. I knew how to do the gambling, and I was winning money. And so I justified myself. I said, I'm taking care of my family because I'm coming in here with $2,000 and walking out with four or $5,000. And that made it harder for him to face this as an addiction. But uh-huh. it, it's an amazing story. Well, that is really amazing. I mean, because usually that is not the typical, you know, gambling addiction story no, that we hear. You know, we hear not. about the downward spiral, the, right. you know, the, the financial stress and everything. And you'll hear in this story a conversion story of, that came through that addiction process. And it is a, it's a fabulous story. Wow, that is amazing. Twelve years, that marriage suffered tremendously hmm. with his wife and children alone, not knowing where her husband was, what he was doing. He would always say, well, I don't have an addiction or I'm going to do better. But 12 years, she hung in there. And God was victorious. Hmm. And they are an unbroken family, and they are so happy. And it's what's so interesting is we've met them personally and mm-hmm. seen their children. Mm-hmm. And the unity and the connectiveness of that family and the joy that they have. And it's all within the last year and a half or two years. Really? It's wow. an amazing story. And did you know them before they went through all this? No. no. 
Okay. We met him at one of our retreats. Okay, okay. <laughs> so let's talk about that for a minute because folks, uh, some of them are saying, I want to check out the uh, the podcast. I know you have other resources on your website, but you also run these uh, retreats, these different programs. Uh, Elaine, tell us a little bit about what, what that's uh, involving. Well, we do family retreats every year. We have them different places geogra- geographically across the U.S., and we bring families together from Wednesday evening till a Saturday night. And we really focus on the foundations of building a strong home. Mm-hmm. We look at the, the relationship that we have individually with God. Then we look at the marriage relationship as secondly most important in building security and, and happiness and contentment in the, in the home. And then we look at the children and the parenting and sibling connectedness. So we look at all those things, and it's it's designed so that families can hear the same thing. So there's three presentations over the day and evening. It's mm-hmm. not a lot. Okay. And then there's recreation. There's time for families to get together and socialize. Uh-huh. Great. One more time, if someone's wanting to find out where you're going to be, where one of these events are going to be, or wanting to take advantage of the podcast or other resources, how do they do that, Tom? restoration-international.org Okay, Tom and Elaine are not going away. we got one more segment in today's show. They've got some amazing insights that can help your marriage, can help your family. You don't want to miss it. I'm Dr. David DeRose. You are listening to American Indian Living. We've got more coming up right after this. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. One day, I'll teach chemistry to kids. I'm going to be an architect. My dream is to be a chef. At the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid, we provide more than $150 billion each year in grants, loans, and work-study funds, making higher education possible for anyone at any stage of life. I can go back to college. I can change careers. I can make a difference. Federal Student Aid, proud sponsor of the American Mind. Learn more about money for college at studentaid.gov. Diabetes is a serious disease that runs in families. If your parents or siblings have type 2 diabetes, you have a greater chance of getting the disease. If you're African American, Hispanic, or Latino, American Indian, Alaska Native, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, or Pacific Islander, you also have a higher chance of developing the disease. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you understand your risk. Visit the NDEP website at yourdiabetesinfo.org for diabetes prevention tools, including the Family Health History Quiz. It started off as a normal day. I felt fine when I arrived at the plant. Ruth Junius's life was about to change. Then I dropped my keys. They kept slipping out of my hand. My arm felt numb. A co-worker asked me if I was okay, and I couldn't speak. I started to get scared. Ruth was having a stroke. People around her weren't sure what to do. They thought I should go home or lie down, but I knew something was very wrong. I wrote 911 on a piece of paper with my other hand. And someone called for me. Because everyone acted quickly, doctors at the hospital were able to give Ruth treatment that started to reverse the symptoms. Within a few minutes, I was talking again. I didn't know a thing about stroke before I had one. Now I make sure that my friends and family know all the signs of stroke so they'll get help fast if they need it. No stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. Call 1-800-352-9424 for more information. 
Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, National Institutes of Health. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You're back with Dr. David DeRose for our final segment in today's edition of American Indian Living. Tom and Elaine Waters, the founders of Restoration International, are sitting across from me. They're both smiling. It looks like they're even holding hands, portraying the happy marriage that they have, or at least making an amazing show of it. Uh, <laughs> we're glad you guys are here. I don't have any doubts about your marriage. And we're glad you've been sharing with us online over the last several years and by way of radio some of the amazing things that uh, you've been doing with your ministry. So we've got folks who've been with us from the beginning of the hour, at least for the last 15 minutes. They're excited now about checking out the Marriage Podcast. Is that what you call it? Unbroken? Have I got it? Mm-hmm. Unbroken. Okay. They're at restoration-international.org. I'm a fast learner, huh? You're good. Or my memory has been rekindled <laughs> after all these years. Anyway. So uh, you go there, you can get the podcast, but you're doing more than just touching people through the Internet. You love to be with people in person. That's why you're here, right? That's oh, right. yes. And uh, one of the things that some people are learning about you is that you run these marriage retreats. Is that what you call them? Yes. So, so tell us a bit about those. Yeah, we get really excited about this stuff. We have a passion for marriage. <laughs> That's great. And it's partly because... We went through our own real struggles mm. early in our marriage. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we started like every other couple. We're going to live happily ever after. I mean, who wants to get married and say we're going to have a life that's terrible and miserable? <laughs> no, I don't think most people <laughs> sign up for that, do they? And so uh, we soon learned, though, that when you get married, while the pastor, you know, or whoever officiates says, and the two shall become one, and... Now you can kiss the bride. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen overnight. Mm. And the reason, a lot of the reason is because of this whole thing we call the me focus versus the us focus. Okay. Okay. When you got two me's getting married. Which mm. me shall we be? Because I think I'm right. She thinks she's right. Creates conflict. You know, creates an opportunity for growth or argument or lots of problems. Are, are you sure that you guys just thought you were right? You didn't know that you were right? Oh, I knew I was right. Oh, okay. No question. Okay. That's why want... we had the conflict. Because okay. he didn't know I was right and vice versa. Uh-huh. He and knew it, he was right. I'm and that's sure the challenge. Wrong. We really yeah. get challenged and every couple faces these challenges. Mm-hmm. And so we've been through a lot of those things, learned some amazing lessons through that time. And now we have such a passion for, for marriages to, to learn how, not just to be unbroken like the podcast is mm-hmm. talking about, but how we can thrive. We're doing a, in our series this year, we're doing a message called Amazing Love Hmm. in the Marriage. Hmm. We can talk about the amazing love of God, or we can talk about, you know, amazing things out there, but we believe marriage should have amazing love. And so we're talking about it now, and, and then we invite people to come experience a marriage retreat where it's couples only. Find somebody you trust, let them take care of your children for the weekend, and we dive into the practical issues that every marriage faces and the practical solutions. 
So is this one of those uh, retreats where people sit and listen, or do they start sharing their, their challenges and working on things together? Well, prior to them coming, they all fill out a questionnaire that's fairly detailed. Okay. So we have a good pulse. Of and it's the, anonymous. It's anonymous. Okay. It, it's even anonymous. If you and your wife were to come, uh-huh. you wouldn't see what she put on her survey or her questionnaire, and she wouldn't see what you put. Because we were looking for real gut-level honesty, okay. which yep. sometimes isn't happening between a husband and wife. Uh-huh. You know, they kind of have this facade. Even in the marriage. So that's ahead of time. So we have a pulse of who's coming and the needs. And then uh, from there. No, no, wait. When you say it's anonymous, so you don't know if, if I write, you know, I have a great marriage. I'm, I'm just coming and my wife writes, marriage is terrible. My husband right. never talks with me. You're not going to connect those two dots when, when I get there because they're both anonymous? We're not going to know it's you. But, but are you going to know, know it's, it's a couple? Marriage. Yes. Oh, you'll know it's a couple. Because though. there's qualifiers in it. Okay. okay. What, what's your years of marriage and oh, okay. certain things that you can so kind of narrow down your We can match the marriages, but we okay. can't match the people to the okay. marriages. Okay. Okay. I got it. I got it. Okay. <laughs> but from there, we do we do presentations. There's four presentations mm-hmm. over the weekend. But what's so amazing is that at the end of each presentation, there's three processing questions that goes along with that topic and we call it tables for two the couples are all sitting at their own personal table discussing those questions opening up those conversations and beginning to process that that uh material together well give us an example so what would be a a scenario or something you spoke about and then that they're processing at a at a table for two okay so we always have one message that's dedicated to communication. Okay. Very practical, nuts and bolts communication because the lack of communication or the dysfunctional communication in marriage is what leads to the breakdown of marriage. Mm. People go into their own corners. So we had a couple there, uh, one of our marriage retreats. They've been married for 44 years. Wow. We knew them for many of those years. Uh-huh. They have a great marriage. They're not coming there because... They're in desperate need of help. They're coming there to enrich their marriage. Okay. At the end of the first evening when we were, the the communication message, we opened up three questions for the couples to talk about. And they said two of those questions we have never discussed in 44 years of marriage. Really? Now you got, you got all our interest. You got to come. No, no way. No way. You you can't, you can't play with us like that. So the point is this, okay? Uh It's not so much the detail of the questions, but because we have an overview of the of the group that's there, mm. we know where the basic issues are. And so we prayerfully sit down and ah. look at that group, not knowing the faces to the to the surveys, uh-huh. so we can be objective. And then we can take those questions from each of those areas of the survey, and we can prime those. Ah, uh, I see. So if I, if I went to a retreat with my wife or, or a seminar... Whatever we're calling it a retreat, right? It's a retreat. Okay, yep. so if I went there, we might not get asked those three questions. No, because we're a different. We're part of a different group. Is that true? Your, your, your yeah. questions are going to be yeah. Go the ahead. questions are overview questions. Everybody will have the same, but the direction in which you take those questions according to your communication needs or weaknesses in your marriage will be how you process those questions. Okay. Okay. Yes, and we've had uh, at our last. Again, you're not asking this. I'm, I'm going to share this because I'm excited about it. Oh, good, good. We had a marriage seminar. It's not okay. a retreat, but a seminar in okay. Florida. A couple came in mm-hmm. during one of our meetings. Just one. One out of the <clears throat> whole weekend. They came in. They came to visit somebody in that church. Mm-hmm. They didn't know there was a seminar going on. They sat down, and they listened to the what we presented. We happened to use that particular segment to introduce our 
marriage retreats. Okay. They were scheduled to be divorced on Monday with their divorce attorney. Really? They, the husband went home that night and at midnight signed up for the retreat. Bought airline tickets. Bought airline tickets before he went to bed and told his wife on Sunday morning, we are going to this retreat that we just heard about. And she said, we are not going. We are getting divorced tomorrow. And he said, we are going. We're going to give one more chance to this marriage. I've already paid for the, for the retreat. I've paid for the plane tickets. What's one more day going to hurt? And she said, okay. And we, we watched that couple go through a transformation in that marriage retreat. And they are living happily ever after. Are they still have struggles? That's amazing. But That's the communication amazing. we have gotten from them uh-huh. has been just sends chills down my spine. Wow. Okay? That's why we're passionate about marriage. Well, here's the thing. So often women recognize the need or the, the lack of something, the connectiveness for uh-huh. than the uh-huh. husband does. And so she looks for ways to try to get the husband's attention. Mm. And in many cases, women are saying, honey, we need some counsel. Guys don't need to be counseled. That's that's for the weaklings, you know. Mm-hmm. The men that have a, a pride issue. Well, women have pride issues too, but sure. usually there's one in the marriage. Oftentimes it's the husband who doesn't want to really have to face it and believe that there's it's really this bad as it is. Mm-hmm. Yet she's feeling misunderstood and, you know, hurt. Unloved. Unloved. And it's, these negative feelings are growing out of control. So when her husband said to her so emphatically that we are going to this, Even though she resisted at first, Mm -hmm. she told us later it broke her heart to see that he was now finally, after 10 years of marriage, aware of her heart cry that had been going Mm -hmm. on for years. Mm -hmm. And that he took initiative of his own. And even though, like I said, she resisted, deep in her heart, she was thankful. Tremendous. Tremendous. Isn't that a beautiful story? It is. It's (laughs) tremendous. Inspired me. Okay. So we invite our listeners to check it out on the website. And sign up for a marriage retreat. <laughs> we have my, two of them a year. You got my interest. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> Let me see if I got it. Restoration-international.org. You got it. I'll catch the podcast. I can find out about the retreats, the seminars. All of it's there, huh? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. there. Tom, some people aren't convinced. They're not going to check out the website. You got one last chance to uh, take 10 seconds and tell them why they should visit there. All I can say is uh, I wish that I would have understood some of these things. It would have saved me a lot of heartache in the early years of marriage. So I hope even if you don't think you have time or you don't think you have the energy or maybe you feel hopeless. Or you don't think you have a problem. Or you don't think you have a problem. It never hurts to check it out online and see if there's something we can learn. Okay. doesn't cost anything to listen to the podcast. Just a few moments of time. Do it while you're driving to work. Great stuff. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for having us. we got to step away. I think everybody who tuned in today hopefully got something that's going to make a difference for you or your family. I'm Dr. David DeRose. For all of us at American Indian Living, as always, I'm wishing you the very best of health. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.